Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. to welcome you to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We're very thankful that you've tuned in with us here on the program this morning. And uh, we'd invite you to uh, look at our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can subscribe to our podcast and find past messages. And you can find a church locator. If you're not in the North Mississippi area, find a church that's closer to you. But if you are in the North Mississippi area, we'd love for you to come see us 
at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, that's in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman. And we also meet on Wednesday nights in Starkville, Mississippi at 6 p.m. Be sure and go and like Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page. We live stream those Wednesday night messages as well as the regular Sunday service at Sulphur Springs. And be sure and like Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page as well. We post our weekly sermons and other articles and content on the Facebook page. Also, be sure and check out Grace Alone Radio, a 24-7 internet streaming app with Primitive Baptist content. You can go to gracealoneradio.net and subscribe to that and download an app on your phone. This morning, we'd like to bring you a message regarding the God of heaven and of earth. So we hope you can stay with us here on the program this morning, and we'll have that message for you right after the song. Children small, let them pray. 
This morning, we want to continue to think about God as the God of heaven and earth. We'll focus a little bit more on earth this morning as opposed to heaven. Last time, we considered the heavens and the vastness of the heavens, and this universe is 46 billion light years wide, and we are just so insignificant. We're so small in relation to this universe and all the billions upon billions of stars, but yet God knows them all by name. You know, we should look up into the heavens. We should look up at the sun and look up at the stars at night and just be amazed that God saw fit to love us, which by the way, that tells you how innumerable and how vast God's chosen elect seed is because he told Abraham that if you can count the stars of the sky or the sands upon the seed, then you can tell the number of your seed that I've chosen to redeem and to save. And that shows us how vast of a innumerable host that God has saw fit to love. And we praise God for that. We thank God for that. We consider the heavens. We look at the vastness of this universe and the vastness of our God that fills the heaven and earth. That's just the work of his fingers. How is it possible? Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. How is it possible that God would be mindful of us at all? He shouldn't. He shouldn't be mindful of us at all, but we praise God that he does love us, that he has saw fit to visit us and to save his people from their sins. Now, the heavens are so vast, we can't even put that into context, okay? The numbers are so big, they have so many zeros after them, we just can't fathom them. And our God is just too big to understand, thankfully. And he is certainly worthy of our praise because he is so big and so vast. But also, here on this earth, we begin to maybe put a little bit too much focus on the things of the earth. He's the God of heaven, but he's also the God of earth. And we put too much emphasis on, say, the nations of this world. And it might be beneficial for us to put that in perspective, too. Consider Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 15 through 17. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the eye as a very little thing. All nations before him are as nothing and are counted to him as less than nothing in vanity. You know, sometimes we have a governmental leader that comes into authority that we are concerned about their policies, we're concerned about their actions that they're going to undertake, and we start wringing our hands and saying, oh goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when governmental leaders are corrupt? What are we going to do when nations are against us? What are we going to do even if an entire nation is against us. You know, we get so caught up in the things of this world, we need to be reminded that the nations of this world, they are like a little bitty drop in a bucket. The nations of this world are a little bitty small piece of dust in the balance. By the way, this earth is totally insignificant outside of God's care and superintendence for it. In a, in just in a size way, just in a size relation, the earth is totally insignificant in this universe. And how insignificant is one little bitty person on that earth And how insignificant is even one little bitty nation on that earth? Before God, before the eternal God of this universe that fills heaven and earth, those nations are nothing before him. That one wicked ruler is nothing before God. And we think that that one little bitty ruler has the ability to to circumvent the power of the sovereign God of this universe? No. The nations and any man that is in charge of a nation or is ruling or governing a nation, they are before God as nothing, okay? Think about just this natural creation. You know, he created the heavens with just the power of his voice and this billions of light years wide universe was just created the power of his voice. But 
It also says in Isaiah chapter 40 and in verse 12, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out the heavens with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in balance. I mean, I didn't even look this up. All of the probably billions of gallons of water on this earth, the oceans. I mean, this earth is what, 70% water? The waters of this world God holds them in the hollow of his hand. And again, if his hand is big enough to hold all the water in the oceans, then how big is our God, right? Have you ever went to the ocean and you looked out at the ocean and you feel so small? (laughs) You know, you can only see for what, 20, 30 miles? You know, you can see for a couple miles at best. You can't even see how big the Atlantic Ocean is or the Pacific Ocean is or even the Gulf of Mexico. You can't look out and see all the thousands of miles that that ocean is just on the surface, but then how deep it goes. I mean, think about all the water. Think about all the water in this world. I mean, we can't fathom that. We can't fathom all the water in this world. You know, I think about a one-gallon jug, a five-gallon bucket, and that's how I can comprehend water. (laughs) You know, the utility company that I work for, we have water tanks that hold water. I mean, in my mind, that's a lot of water. I mean, I just can't imagine how much water is on this earth, and God just, he holds that water. He measured the water in the hollow of his hand, just like how you would get a little bit of water out of your faucet, put it in a measuring cup, check it and pour it out. That's how God treated the waters in creation. Isn't that amazing that our God is that big and that amazing? It says that he uh, comprehended all the dust of the earth. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine all the dirt in this world? All the dust of this earth? You know, if it's not water, it's dirt. It's either land or it's water. So all the waters, God holds them in the hollow of his hand, but God knows the exact quantity, the exact weight, the exact mass of all the dust of the earth, and he weighs it in a measure. And he weighed the mountains in a scale. I mean, can you imagine? (laughs) You know, you got to pick something up to be able to put it in a scale, don't you? It's like God has the ability to pick up Mount Everest. I mean, how many thousands of, of feet tall is Mount Everest? I mean, God could just pick up Mount Everest if he wanted to pick up Mount Everest and just put it in a scale (laughs) and the hills in a balance. He's able to just pick up the waters of this earth. He's able to just pick up the mountains of this earth and he can just put it on a scale to measure it. Our God is amazing, isn't he? Just as amazing as the God of the heavens, the God of the earth is just as amazing. You know, we feel so small when we look out at the ocean, but yet God holds all of those waters in the hollow of his hand. We feel so small when we go up to these mountaintops and the mountaintop in Colorado or Yosemite or all of these great majestic views where you just have your breath taken away. And all you can really say when you're up at the top of those mountains is our song that we sing, Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made. And all you can do is then sings my soul, right? That's how the child of God should respond when we have the ability to view God's creation on earth in that way. But do you understand that those mountains that literally take your breath away, those mountains that take your breath away, 
God weighed those mountains in a scale. It's like he just picked up those mountains and I'm just going to put it over here on the scale and weigh it. It's just amazing. It's amazing to think about. Let's consider what God has ordained in this earth in regards to the sun and the moon. God created and established the sun and the moon on the fourth day of creation. And after the flood of Noah, God reaffirmed his commitment that day and night would not cease, and along with day and night not ceasing, then the seasons and the temperature fluctuations would not cease. So there's a lot of concern here in this world about global warming. And we need to be responsible custodians of what God has given us, just like we are with everything, right? God's given us a body that has been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. So we need to use that body that we've been given, be a good steward of that body, use what we've been given to honor God. We've been given material possessions. We've been given a home, a vehicle, a job. Then we need to use what God has given us to his honor and to his glory, not to abuse it, but to take good care of it. Well, we need to take good care of this earth to the best of our ability. We don't need to make things that are going to purposefully destroy the environment. But am I afraid to drive my vehicle because I'm afraid that if I use too much fossil fuels, if I use too much gas and it's going to mess up the environment and the polar ice caps are going to melt because of global warming and then we're going to have a flood? Well, we're not going to have a flood. We're not going to have a global flood. Why? Because because God said he wasn't going to do that. And if you ever doubt that this world is going to be destroyed by water because of the polar ice caps melting, because of global warming, you need to look up in the sky and look at the rainbow the next time after it rains, because that is God's bow, that's God's promise, that he made a covenant that he's not going to destroy this earth by water, okay? So you need to look up at that rainbow and look at the promise of God and say, you know what, we need to make good decisions where we can and not abuse this earth and, and uh, destroy the environment and creation that we've been given. We need to be good stewards. We need to be good custodians of it. But you don't need to be afraid, child of God, that we're going to have global warming and the polar ice caps are going to melt and we're all going to drown. Okay? Why? Because God's promised that he's not going to destroy this earth again by water. But furthermore, he promised to Noah that there will be day and night and there will be hot and cold. There will be seasons. Okay? Now, the reason why we have seasons is because the earth is tilted on a 23.5 degree angle. So the earth is not straight up and down in space. It's tilted. It's tilted at 23.5 degrees. And the reason why we have seasons is because the earth rotates. The earth is spinning and the earth is rotating around the sun. So at that angle, there are some times that the uh, earth is closer to the sun and sometimes it's farther away, which causes the change in our seasons. So for there to be perpetual global warming, in other words, we're not going to have seasons anymore. We're just always going to be living in summer all the time. We're just going to be hotter, 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 hotter. The only way that that could happen is if the tilt of the earth ceased to be. And God's not going to change the tilt of the earth because that's going to affect a jillion other things in this universe, okay? So God has made a decree, but furthermore, God has made a covenant. He's made a covenant with day and night. And I want you to understand that there's just as much chance of us having perpetual global warming where we're not going to have seasons anymore. There's just as much chance of that happening as there is day and night ceasing, okay? Now, why do we have day and night? Because the earth rotates, 
Why do we have seasons? It's because the earth is on a tilted axis. So there's just as much possibility of the earth ceasing to be untilted as there is the earth to quit spinning until the Lord returns the second time, okay? So you don't need to be concerned that we're going to have this global warming and we're all going to die because of global warming. No, earth is going to be burned up, but it sure ain't going to be because of global warming. It's going to be because the Son of God returns the second time and consumes this sinful earth by his consuming fire presence coming back and returning the second time. <laughs> that is the immediate global warming <laughs> uh, that's going to happen, but it's not going to be progressively caused by humans. It's going to be global warming. It's going to get really hot really quick because Jesus Christ says the consuming fire is going to come back in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye, okay? But I wanted to notice a couple of verses that describe the covenant that God has made with day and night because he says in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, there's just as much possibility of day and night ceasing as there is the seasons ceasing or we have perpetual global warming and we don't have seasons anymore, okay? So first of all, in Jeremiah chapter 33 and in verse 25, thus saith the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven. So God has set the sun and the moon and the stars for day and night, and he's made a covenant. And God is in the business of keeping his covenants, isn't he? Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 35, thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar and the Lord of hosts is his name. So God has made a covenant with day and night. The reason why this earth keeps spinning and we have day and night is because God has decreed it. God has made a covenant and God is not going to break his covenant. He's not going to breach his covenant. And there's just as much possibility of the earth quitting spinning as it is it changing its axis, which is zero because God has made a covenant. And just in case you doubt that, just in case you doubt the concreteness and the, and the uh, security of that covenant, if you keep on reading in Jeremiah chapter 31 and make your way to verse 36 and 37, which is right after verse 35 where we find that, we're going to find that there is just as much possibility of us ceasing to have day and night here on this earth. There's just as much possibility of that as there is for God to break his covenant with his chosen people. It says in verse 37, if heaven and earth can be measured and the fountains of the earth searched out beneath, which we know the answer to that, it can't be, but if that's possible, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done. So God ties the covenant of night and day. There is just as much possibility. I actually should have read verse 36 for you. That connects those two verses together. If those ordinances depart from before me, what ordinances? The ordinances of the moon and the stars and day and night that we found in verse 35. If those ordinances depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. So there's just as much possibility of God forsaking his people as there is day and night ceasing. And you know the answer to that is zero. There's no possibility of God forsaking his people. So God has decreed for day and night to occur. He's decreed for the earth to keep spinning. We're going to find in our next messages, there were some times that God paused those natural laws to cease the earth from spinning for a day in the aid of Joshua and the nation of Israel. And then he even spun it back the other way for Hezekiah. 
But generally, outside of those instances, I don't think God's probably going to be doing that today. He might. He might, he might see fit to do that. But generally, I don't think God's in the business of stopping the rotation of the earth. But there's just as much possibility of day and night ceasing as there is God forsaking his people, which we know from the Bible, thankfully, is there is no chance. There's zero percent chance. So we look at day and night, we look at the sun, the moon, and the stars, we look at the waters that God holds in the hollow of his hand, and he weighs the mountains, he knows all the dust of the earth, and then we think about the intricacy of earth, you know, we think about the vastness of the ocean and the height of the mountains, but think about God in the cells of a newborn baby in the womb of his mother, and that those beginning cell replications. I mean, God is just so vast. He's so amazing. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. I wish I could preach this to you better. <laughs> I wish I could properly convey the God of heaven and earth to you. But all I can do is read scripture and meditate with you together to maybe give you a little bit better picture of how amazing and great our God is. He fills heaven and earth. And the God that filled heaven and earth left the throne rooms of heaven. He left perfect presence of God the Father. Jesus Christ became a man. And as insignificant as we are in this earth, as insignificant and small as we are in relation to this universe, all the fullness of the Godhead dwell in the body of Jesus Christ. I don't understand how that's possible, but I also don't understand how it's possible that God could even be mindful of us or love us. I don't understand how it's possible, but I'm just so thankful for sovereign grace. I'm thankful for God's desire to condescend to his creation, to save his people from their sins. We're just so thankful that the God of heaven and earth didn't just stay in heaven, right? He didn't just stay in heaven. No, he became a man. He descended to earth. The God of heaven became a man on earth to save his people from their sins. And we thank him for that. We praise him for that. And I would just encourage you to meditate on that. Next time you go to the beach, look out at the beach. Look out at the beach and all the grains of sand on the shore. Look out at the vastness of the ocean and think that God holds that water in the hollow of his hand. Look at the great, amazing mountains, but God just weighs them in the scale. Look up out at the stars and say that God tells every one of those stars by name, and he holds them in his hand. He meted out the heavens with a span. Truly, truly, how great is our God? How great is our God? We hope some of these thoughts have stirred your pure minds by way of remembrance and I hope you can meditate on these things. Hopefully we'll have a clear night soon for us to look up into the stars and, and just be amazed that the sovereign God of this universe, the God of heaven and earth, saw fit to love us and to save us from our sins. Praise be to God that the God of heaven and earth had compassion upon poor, insignificant pieces of dust like me and you. And let's praise him properly to the best of our ability for that on this Lord's day. May God richly bless you until we have a chance to meet back with you again.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a primitive radio broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.